time to talk about you and your money as we welcome back Lawrence Hale, Principal Managing Partner, along with Jim Zahansky and Vice President, Associate Financial Advisor with Lysel Cording at Weiss, Hale & Zahansky, Strategic Wealth Advisors in Pomfret Center, Connecticut, our monthly program. And today we'll be discussing tax-efficient strategies for the upcoming tax season. But as always, we say good morning to Lawrence and take a look back at the market recap. Hi, Lawrence. Lawrence. Good morning, Wayne. It's great to be here. And uh, we're off to a new year after a fantastic banner year in 2019 for the markets. Uh, but uh, markets being a little skittish this year, understandably, with being an election year as well as this coronavirus uh, has some real economic impact uh, potential, particularly overseas, and, and the markets have reflected some of this nervousness so far. Uh, starting off the year, the S&P 500 index through the end of Friday, uh, a different story as at the end of, of yesterday, was about flat. Uh, the Dow Jones Industrial Average down about 1%. International markets are but quite a bit weaker. Uh, the developed markets down a little over 2%. And emerging markets, of which China is still part, uh, down about 4.5%. So not a great start to the year, uh, but we expect volatility to continue. Bonds are actually in positive territory with rates coming down. And economic news is actually pretty good. We had a print of uh, of the fourth quarter up 2.1% and GDP growth. And uh, in 2019, the economy grew at about 2.9%. That was about... Uh, half a percentage better than it was in 2018. And we should reiterate something we've said in prior shows. You said the S&P is pretty flat at this point in time. And in many cases, the S&P is more representation for the average worker than the Dow is. So the S&P is something more to keep an eye on. Yeah, it's a much broader index, uh, stock index. It covers uh, 500 companies instead of 30 companies. Uh, it's calculated in a different methodology, not to bore everybody, but it, it seems to make a bit more sense in that bigger companies have more of an impact on the performance of the index. Uh, and it, uh, you know, is something that is fairly well represented in people's 401k plans and different types of investments that people own. Uh, particularly with the continued growth of index funds in the market. Could you get a little deeper into the effect of the coronavirus? I've heard this in the last couple of days or so, that that concern is affecting the market. Why is something like that having a negative effect on the market? Well, when you have millions of people stuck in their houses quarantined, that can uh, curtail production, curtail uh, earnings, and uh, ultimately impact uh, companies and their their ability to earn money at the rate that they expected. So, uh, you know, there obviously have been some uh, impact, particularly in China, Uh, There could be impact in the U.S. and some other uh, markets throughout the world because we're all trading partners and and despite tariffs and other uh, impediments, uh, you know, this is still a global economy. Um, When you look back at SARS, which is probably the most uh, applicable comparison, that did have, uh, and I, I don't recall the exact number, but it was, you know, tens of billions of dollars of economic impact, uh, you know, curtailing some growth. So it likely uh, and hopefully will be short-lived, um, but it, the impact could be real and, and it we don't expect it to tip the economy into kind of a recessionary environment, but uh, there is that risk there if, it, if things got out of control. And even though gas prices are higher now than they were a year ago, they have been on the way down. 
What's the relationship of the market and gas prices? Because the market's pretty flat right now, but yet gas prices are coming down. Gas prices are coming down. We've we've actually seen, uh, you know, obviously the the advent over the last few years of of U.S. production, uh, so not being as reliant on overseas oil, uh, as well as you know this particular virus is actually expected to meaningfully impact the consumption in China. So. You know, producers are reducing their prices, making it more appealing for people to buy more. Uh, and the relationship for oil and the markets is generally, if you think of the price of oil, which is used in so many different ways, not just in your car, your home heating oil, it's used in the production of many uh, products, particularly plastics, um, that's kind of like a tax. So the higher oil prices are, the less... Uh, ability to make profit, the higher prices will be, and the less consumption that can ultimately re result. So if you look at oil prices over time, when oil prices start to approach $100 a barrel, that starts to be have a meaningful impact on economic growth. And when you look at the beginning of the year, taking current events out of the picture, is the January, February time a time when it tends to level out after all the holiday activity? It, you know, it, usually the start of the year is actually a fairly positive year. We're getting earnings in from uh, most companies uh, over the, you know, we've had over the last week and a half or so and will for the next few weeks. Um, companies like to lower expectations and then over deliver, which seems to be happening this uh, quarter as well. It's no, no surprise. Um, but, you know, it, election years, markets can be generally more tame. Uh, just due to the uncertainty of what the administrative will, administration will look like and what policies will come out of that. However, after elections, regardless of who the winner is, um, markets can do quite well. So, We bring Lawrence, Jim, Liesel in here once a month, usually the first week of the month, but they can't be here every day. So, Lawrence, if listeners want this kind of information every day, every week, where do you suggest they go? Our website, of course. So our website, which is www.whzwealth.com, if you go to that page and go to the Resources tab, uh, we have a lot of information, our market updates. Uh, we have an investment committee that meets quarterly, uh, really to assess where the global economy is and where we see it going over the next year to year and a half, and that informs our portfolio positioning. So there's a lot of great resources, particularly on some of the new tax changes, I know some of which we'll talk about today, but uh, wealth of uh, information on whzwealth.com. And one of the slogans that you have for Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky is live well. How does all this play into that? Really, live well is, is the result of planning and investing well. If you're... if you know, when clients come to us and we're able to sit down with them, understand their goals, uh, build a strategic financial plan, position their assets to make, to support that plan, take into account different planning concepts, particularly around taxes, beneficiary, estate. Um, our goal is to help them live well, and live well is means different things to different people, but it's essentially have great greater peace of mind, uh, be able to do everything that they had wanted to achieve, and you know, just have a great life. I think I speak for nearly all of our listeners that in the last couple of weeks there's been some stuff in the mailboxes. All those tax things have been arriving around the last week of January. So let's talk about some tax advantage strategies for our listeners to consider and discuss with their financial and tax advisors. 
Absolutely. The you know at the end of last year there were some tax changes. We're a month closer to, to tax filing time, uh, which everybody loves. But uh, at the very end of last year, Congress passed the Setting Every Community Up for Retirement Enhancement Act. Yes, the Secure Act. We had Jim here last month right. talking about that, and I I hadn't heard about it, and I think that was very informative and. Now you can add to that. Yeah, we've been we were monitoring it throughout last year, and it ultimately did come to fruition. Uh, and does have some pretty significant implications. And the one I wanted to talk about today is really around Roth IRA conversions. Um, and really, they present a unique opportunity, particularly with some of the changes in the Act related to uh, stretch IRAs, as well as taxation of, of retirement assets, uh, where people can take money that they have in a traditional IRA account that they've saved or they've rolled over from a retirement plan, convert it into a Roth IRA, which allows the money to grow tax-deferred and then ultimately be distributed tax-free in most situations. Um, however, there are some tax implications and planning uh, thoughts that you need to have uh, to make sure you're, it's right for you. How does a Roth IRA conversion compare to a regular IRA? So a traditional IRA, you typically will put money in. Hopefully, you'll get a tax deduction when you put that money in, uh, and then it grows tax-deferred and the earnings come out tax-free. That's a, a been around for decades. Uh, I think they really hit their stride in the 80s uh, when everyone got a deduction. That's no longer the case. It's an income-based. A Roth IRA account works somewhat the opposite. You pay taxes when you put money in. The money grows tax-deferred, and it comes out tax-free. The nice thing about that, particularly for people accumulating a significant amount of wealth in their retirement accounts, is not only does it come out tax-free for you, but it goes out tax-free for your beneficiaries as well. So it, it allows people to save money, particularly uh, powerful if you're younger, um, because that tax-free benefit, you don't know what tax codes are going to look like in 10, 20, 30 years, um, but it can mean a lot of money in your pocket later on. Do the required disbursements from Roth or traditional IRAs, is, is the age the same? The age was changed with the SECURE Act. It used to be 70 and a half, and this year it is actually 72. So uh, that's a meaningful change and, and does impact a lot of people's planning. So if you're on that cusp of age 70 to, to 72, uh, definitely want to speak with your advisor to make sure that you're uh, doing what is required of you. Um, however, when it comes time to take money out, a Roth IRA does not require a mandatory distribution uh, each year. Um, however, your beneficiaries will have to take your Roth money out over 10 years. That's a change with the SECURE Act. What's another strategy for individuals to potentially put away more money for retirement in a tax-advantage way? Well, Wayne, a Roth IRA is something that most people can contribute to. However, there are income caps on how much you can make in order to be able to contribute to a Roth, and that's capped at 139000 modified adjusted gross income uh, if you're single and filing single. If you're married and filing jointly, it is 206000 So a Roth IRA contribution is not necessarily for everyone, but everyone can do a conversion. 
something to keep in mind if you are converting or thinking about converting is taxes are due at the time at which you convert both on a federal and state level. So again, a lot of planning considerations and nuances to understand your situation to make sure that this is going to provide you with a maximum benefit over time. Lawrence, that sounds a little complex. Why even bother? <laughs> well, as much as everyone loves to play, pay taxes, this is one of the few, th few ways that uh, the government allows assets to grow tax-free. So nobody loves taxes. This is a way to, to benefit from tax-free uh, growth. Uh, if you think about dollars being put away in your 20s or 30s uh, and accumulating in some investments over a 20, 30, maybe even 40-year period, those can grow to a significant amount of money. And unlike a traditional IRA uh, that gets taxed as ordinary income, this doesn't get taxed as all at all as long as you're over 59 and a half when you take it out. So that's a great way. Uh, in addition, it allows you to do more planning with beneficiaries, particularly if they're not your spouse. Uh, because with the SECURE Act change, you have to, a non-spousal beneficiary must distribute assets and retirement accounts within a 10-year period. So this allows you to have tax-free distributions to beneficiaries versus taxable if it, money was coming out in a traditional IRA. If you make one of these conversions, is there a tax liability? In other words, is there th is it cost you money to make a change like that? It does. Uh, it does cost money. So you want to factor in how is that those those taxes going to be paid. Uh, you can also do something called a backdoor Roth, which is an interesting strategy for people who are unable to contribute because of their modified adjusted gross income. Uh, however, you can contribute to a traditional IRA account, and particularly if you're not going to get a tax deduction on those dollars, convert them into a Roth, and then those dollars continue to, go to grow tax-free. There is a big caveat there, and this is a, definitely a big caveat. If you have other retirement assets in IRAs, IRA rollover accounts, or individual retirement accounts, that money, even though you already pay taxes on it, may be partially taxable based upon the total amount of money that you have in retirement accounts. So again, a little complicated. This is why it's important to work with an advisor or your accountant to make sure that what you want to do makes sense, uh, but there are some tangible benefits that you can get for taking advantage of these strategies. So is the discussion with your advisor comparing the yin and the yang? What your penalty is going to be versus the fact you might get a higher return than where your money originally was? Uh, not so much higher return, assuming you invest in the same thing in the two different accounts. However, where that tax money is going to be coming from makes a difference. Uh, if there are taxes due, makes a difference. Uh, but when you're doing the conversion, um, as long as that money stays in the Roth, there's no penalties. Uh, you, that money needs to stay until 59 and a half. Uh, there's no penalties on either the conversion or taking the distributions. So you really want to look at uh, the period of time that the money is going to stay invested to understand. You need to make some assumptions around future tax rates versus current tax rates. So a lot of it has to do with some individual conversations and really one of the things we try to do at Weiss, Allen Zahansky is we understand people's entire picture. We look at their tax returns, we collaborate with their accountants, and we want to make sure that we're understanding 
what are the maximum uh, benefits that they can get out of these different strategies that are available? Do you find that when people invest in IRAs, traditional, Roth, whatever, they invest in different places they do with other non-IRA investments that they are doing more for higher return? Uh, oftentimes they do. And I, you know, having been in the industry for about 25 years, something I continue to hear and have over the last 25 years is, oh, my IRA only earns 0.2% or only earns 1%. And that's because really a holdover from the fact that IRAs used to only be uh, at banks and you only have money markets or savings accounts or CDs as available investment options. So an IRA account, whether it be a traditional or a Roth, is essentially an umbrella. It's just the type of account. What you're invested in is entirely dependent on your choice and what investment options are available at the institution you have the IRA account. So can you make uh, the same returns as the market? Absolutely. If you invest in uh, an account that has those types of investment options available. Um, But a lot of people uh, get confused or uh, think that an IRA account is only something that earns a very low return, and that's not the case. You had just spoken about the backdoor Roth IRA, which I'd never heard of before, but are there any tax filing rules to consider when thinking if a backdoor Roth IRA contribution is right for you? Absolutely. You know, want to understand uh, if there are other retirement assets that you have outside of 401k plans, how much of that money in proportion to what you're converting uh, is uh, in those accounts. So if you have hypothetically $100,000 in an IRA rollover account and you're converting $6,000 through a backdoor uh, Roth, that 6000 proportionately to the total of 106 is pretty small. So most of that conversion is going to be taxable to you. So this is where understanding your entire financial picture is critically important. Uh, if you're working with an advisor, uh, something we do all the time is understand where assets are, who owns them, what title they have, and what type of asset so we can make the best recommendation possible. When people are considering IRAs at tax time or really any time of the year, do you recommend a different direction with how they invest in an IRA if they're 25 as opposed to being 60 years old? Definitely. I mean, risk tolerance is, is key and you know a key part of our discussions with clients. And typically, younger investors will invest more aggressively. However, if you think about uh, someone who's age 60 and they have money in their retirement account, it's oftentimes that money's not going to be distributed all in one year at 65 or 62 or something like that. Their investment lifespan may be another 25, 35, 40 years. So uh, it, you don't necessarily want to take all the growth potential and all the risk off the table as you're older, but you want to balance that versus all of your assets and what your needs and goals are. Usually there's a tax advantage if you do contribute to or open an IRA at tax time. What if somebody's retired? They're no longer full-time employed. Do they get a similar advantage if they add to an IRA? Well, the key to being able to contribute to either a Roth or a traditional is you have to have earned income. So if your income sources are Social Security uh, distributions from a pension or a retirement account, you don't have the ability to contribute to an IRA account. You need earned income. So the maximum contribution is basically 100% of your earned income capped at 
$5,000 if you're under 50 or 6000 if you're over 50. Um, so there are limitations and uh, nuances to who can contribute. And then again, who gets a tax deduction if you're contributing to a traditional IRA? So Lawrence, if there is one takeaway from the message of all this, what would it be? I would say that you definitely speak with your advisor and your accountant to understand what kind of opportunities there are that you can take advantage to improve your situation, to plan well, invest well, and live well. And you touched earlier this morning, Jim was here last month talking about this, but the SECURE Act thing is, is so new, and a lot of people not only hadn't heard about it, but they don't understand what it's all about. Could you expand upon that a little bit more and tell why people should ask questions about that? Because it starts like last month. Absolutely. It's it's something, again, like you said, it, it kind of came in under the radar, Not didn't get a lot of press. Um, it's essentially trying to expand access to retirement savings and improve the, the success of retirement planning for individuals. However, there's some pretty significant uh, planning implications uh, that you know, come into play, particularly around required minimum distribution timing, uh, as well as uh, legacy planning. So big assets in retirement accounts mean complicated planning uh, for your beneficiaries, particularly if they're non-spousal beneficiaries. So definitely want to revisit those with your advisor, revisit those with your estate planning attorney, and make sure that these new rules are accommodated for in your plan. Are the benefits from these, this new act, the SECURE Act, something that would tend to benefit the younger generation, the 20s and 30s, the middle age, the older generation, or D, all of the above? Uh, there's really implications for all of the above. Probably the most benefit uh, is for younger individuals, particularly around the ability to access retirement plans uh, earlier than they may otherwise have, particularly if that is, they're at a smaller company. So, A little off-topic story. Can you tell the story of the picture you showed me on your phone just now? That was, <laughs> that was pretty cool. I, I think so, too, and so did my 13-year-old <laughs> son, who's a hockey player. Uh, we we uh, had a great opportunity to spend a few days in Florida, got on a JetBlue flight, and my son went berserk because it was uh, Bear Force One, the Bruins plane. So it's the one the Bruins used to charter. That's probably how they got from last night's game for tonight's game in Chicago. But that plane, when they're not flying the Bruins around, they use it for other charters. So you guys were on a charter flight, but it happened to be the Bruins plane. So it was, what's the outside look like? It is all black. The Bruins logo is out there. If we had my son's camera, we, he, he has every picture possible. Uh, inside, <laughs> it looks really no different other than a plaque. Uh, but uh, a, a nice flight to a warm destination, and I'm going to the Bruins game this this Saturday. So go Bruins! It's a day game, right? It's a day game. Or, yeah. Now, are you, are Coyotes. You, are, are you bigger Red Sox? Or are you bigger Bruins? Uh, bigger hockey fans. Because your kid plays hockey. Absolutely. But you're big on both of them. I New England I sports it. is what I love. All right. Talking this morning with Lawrence Hale about tax efficient planning strategies. Weiss Hale and Zahansky, Strategic Wealth Advisors, Principal Managing Partner Lawrence Hale, A-A-M-S-C-R-P-S. It all fits in his business card. Vice President, Associate Financial Advisor Lysel Cording, CFP, and Principal Managing Partner James Zahansky, AWMA, offer securities and advisory services through Commonwealth Financial Network, member FINRA SIPC, a registered investment advisor. Fixed insurance products and services offered through CES Insurance Agency. They practice at 697 Pomfret Street, Pomfret Center, Connecticut, 06259. And their phone number is 
928-2341. Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors do not provide legal or tax advice. The Tenured Financial Services Team strives to support clients in achieving their financial life goals. Content is sourced and researched through 2019 Commonwealth Financial Network. For more information regarding wealth management and customized financial planning with Weiss, Hale, and Zahansky Strategic Wealth Advisors, please visit whzwealth.com. All right, Lawrence, go Bruins. Thanks for checking in this morning. Great to be here, and congratulations again on your uh, Sportscaster Award. Thank you very much. 14 WILI Willimantic and 95.3 FM.